So this last week, I was actually in California, and I got to go to the Warner Brothers Studios. I got to do one of the, the tours that they have. And uh, it was really cool. I love movies. I love TV shows. And uh, in this tour, you would basically be in the, uh, these golf carts, and they'd drive you around, and they would show you where these different TV shows, these different movies, they'd be like, hey, this is the orphanage from Annie, or this was in The Mask, or this was in Vacation, uh, a whole bunch of different movies. And uh, it was so wild when we'd drive by, and there'd be this little patch of grass. They'd be like, hey, that's where Ross played rugby and Friends. Or that house is the prom scene um, from Friends. And it was like, wow, this is crazy. I'm seeing this in real life. They had a bunch of Gilmore Girls stuff, uh, which I wasn't really into. Uh, and then there was a, a jungle area that they drive by. And I was like, I've seen this in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. So I was, I was locked in. And um, we drive by, and he's like, if you look down there, that's where they filmed Jurassic Park. The scene where, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but a T-Rex is chasing the, um, the car. Little known fact, it was not a real dinosaur. Uh, that was actually uh, computer generated. But uh, it was not a very far, like I'd say it's probably from myself to the back of the room. That was the only stretch. And they kept, basically, they drive this Jeep and then they would reverse it and they drive it again. And this whole scene um, what was just basically this one stretch over and over and they do different angles. And, and it was really fascinating. I was, a lot of people were into that. I was like, ah kind of cool. And then he was like, and then if you look to the right, this is where Kermit sang Rainbow Connection. I was like jumping over. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. That is the spot where Kermit sang Rainbow Connection. Um, we saw the, the set of Big Bang Theory. We saw all these different things as far as where the actual scenes took place. Casablanca, La La Land, all these different uh, movies and, and TV shows. And it was so crazy because I had seen a mere projection of these shows and these movies, uh, I've seen these scenes on my TV, and yet I was actually seeing where it actually came from, the actual source of these scenes. In our lives, I think that we are meant to be projections of Jesus Christ. We are meant to project the character of Jesus, the, the person of Jesus in our lives. And imagine this, imagine if your coworkers and your neighbors and your friends that they see this projection of Jesus in their lives, and then they finally meet him one day. And they're like, whoa, that's where that pro the projection I was seeing, this is the actual source of it. This is where it actually originated. And, and imagine that if in our lives that we live in such a way that when people meet Jesus, they think, man, so now I know the source of where that hope came from, where that optimism came from, where that generosity came from. Um, we're, we're starting a series called Good Vibes, and we're going to go into what does it mean to live in the hope that Jesus has for us, to live in such a way that it is a projection of Jesus. Hey, check it out. We got our, our screens working. Um, Romans 15, 13, it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. This series, Good Vibes, we're talking about how we live in response to the life that Christ offers us. And the name Good Vibes, it isn't about um, self-help at all. We're not about self-help here because self-help is looking at yourself, keeping the focus on yourself, thinking that you can do enough good things to fix your life. And we all know that that can't happen. 
It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so good vibes is about when we live that life of, of the Holy Spirit taking over the hope in our lives. And then when we do that, other people just know there's something different about you. Colossians 3, 1 through 2, it says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ. We're going to talk about how we are confident, encouraging, generous, grateful, but today we're talking about optimism. Optimism. Now what optimism is, is, is the Dictionary definition is hopefulness and confidence about the future or the successful outcome of something. And the opposite of that is pessimism, which is a tendency to see the worst aspect of things or believe that the worst will happen, a lack of hope or confidence in the future. Now, I want you to note that optimism is not um, being naive. A lot of people think it's just like when bad things happen, it's being naive, just completely ignoring Oh, it's, you know, the house is burning down. It's all right. Don't worry about it. That's not what what optimism is. It's in the midst of trials, in the midst of circumstances, in the midst of difficulty, still holding on to the hope that Christ gives us. And so it's, it's, you can still acknowledge when there's pain and there's grief, but it's having an optimism that we know the, the big picture. We know the final story, and we can have optimism in that. Um, 1 Peter 3, it says this, But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. So we see in this verse, it starts off with things that are difficult. It talks about um, if you suffer for doing what's right, if people threaten you, you know, back in, in the day, they were, they were threatened. Their lives were threatened for following Christ. And, and in this passage, it's saying, okay, even if that happens, you can still have a hope that people ask you about. And so that's what true optimism is. Some people think they're optimistic, but when life gets hard, when it gets tough, all of a sudden their attitude shifts. But true optimism is in the midst of trials, in the midst of pain, in the midst of difficulty, you still have an attitude because you are holding on to the hope that you have in Christ. It is an everlasting hope that is not affected by circumstance. So let's take a look at what we have to do in order to see this optimism, this eternal hope manifested in our lives. Number one is to focus on what we partake. Focus on what we partake. What I mean by that, it's the thoughts that we feed on what we feed our brain. There's a saying, it says, our thoughts feed our feelings. Our feelings feed our actions. Our thoughts feed our feelings. Our feelings feed our actions. So your thoughts feed your feelings. Whatever you're thinking about, it will feed into your feelings. And then whatever you are feeling feeds into your actions. Um, You know, the other day I was actually walking it was the weirdest thing. I, I like looked down when I was walking, and I realized that you know it's like a sidewalk and has all these cracks. And I realized that like subconsciously, I will skip over cracks. Like I will be walking, and I just not even thinking about it, I will skip over cracks in the sidewalk. 
And I was singing, I'm like, that is the weirdest thing. Like, subconsciously, I'm doing this. And the reason I did is because you, know, you guys know the, the saying as a kid, step on a crack, break your mother's back, you know? And so as a kid, I was like, oh, I don't want to step on a crack. Like, you know, it's bad luck or whatever. And like, now I'm grown up. I obviously know it does not break my mom's back. But even though my, I kind of know that, I was feeding those thoughts into my brain as a kid. And so now, subconsciously, I act that way. And it's so weird thinking, I'm not sitting there walking thinking like, there's a crack, I better step over it. Um, but I just subconsciously did it because as a kid, I fed my brain with the thought that if I step on a crack, I'll break my mother's back. And I think a lot of times we feed our brains with these, these thoughts of fear, anxiety, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, and, and, and then all of a sudden, subconsciously, our lives are, we are acting out those thoughts that we have fed into our brain ever since we were kids. And so we act in fear, in worry, in anxiety. And we, and we don't truly, um, uh, we, we don't truly think sometimes about what we feed into our brains. Galatians 6, 7 through 8, it says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest ever, uh, everlasting life from the Spirit. And then Hebrews 12, 5, it says, Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. So it's this picture of farming. That whatever you plant into your brain will grow into whatever you plant. So, so the seed of corn will grow into seed. The seed of bitterness, the root of bitterness will grow and it will go out. And it, like it says, it will be corrupting many. I think a lot of times we feed our brains with these thoughts that aren't of God. And then we wonder why we act the way that we do. Uh, I played football in high school, and one of my really good na- uh, friends, his name was Fernando. And Fernando, um, he, he, was, he was so funny. And, and one day, basically, we would have two days in August, and it would start. We'd get there about 8 a.m. We'd practice till lunch. We'd have a break for lunch, and then we'd have another practice up until about, you know, 3 o'clock. And uh, during lunch, I remember, um, and mind you, it's like 100 degrees outside, and it's lunch, and this, this one of the, the players, his mom brought him food from Wendy's. So he gets to the Wendy's, and he's, and he's pulling it out of the bag, and he sees he's got a burger and some fries, and then he pulls out chili, and he's like, man, why did my mom bring me chili? And um, my friend Fernando was like, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll eat it. And he's like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, the chili's great. And so he starts eating this chili. And then later in the day, 100 degrees outside, we're practicing, and he comes over, he's like, man, my stomach hurts. And we're like, yeah. And he's like, I wonder why. We're like, you just ate Wendy's chili. You wonder why your stomach hurts and you're not feeling good. You just ate Wendy's chili on a 100-degree day, and you go out and have the football practice. Like, of course that's going to add up to that, you know? And so the rest of high school, we called him Chili. Like, that was his, his nickname, Chili Bull. And uh, sometimes we wonder, man, why am I acting the way that I do? Why do I have these feelings in me? Why do I have... And, and, and we look at the thoughts that we're feeding into our brains. We're thinking about all the... 
like you, we look at all the thoughts that, that we focus on of fear, worry, negativity, bitterness. And of course, that's going to harvest into action, into negativity, into pessimism. Philippians 4.8, it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. It says to fix your thoughts, to fix them on things. It's not going to happen naturally. You have to place your thoughts on things that are the opposite of what the world is feeding you, of what the enemy is feeding you. You have to fix your thoughts on things that are opposite of the lies that Satan is trying to tell you. And so sometimes we have to be reminded of these things, reminded of God's goodness in our lives. Um, sometimes you need some monuments in your life. In the Bible, there was, there was Joshua, and he was leading the Israelites. Moses had already died. Joshua was leading the Israelites, and uh, all of a sudden they come up to the Jordan River. And uh, obviously they need to cross the Jordan River in order to get to the Promised Land. And so God does like he did with the Red Sea. He parts the Jordan River. When they get on to the other side, Joseph picks 12 guys from the, from the 12 tribes, and he tells them, hey, I want you to go back into the river. I want you to pick up 12 stones, and we're going to bring them back, and you're going to make a monument. And it says, we will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. There will be days in your life that are hard, that are difficult. Where you're naturally thinking, is God going to come through in this situation? You think, man, I, I, I feel like I've run into a whole bunch of losses. I feel like I've, I've really had a hard time here. And there are going to be times where you have to look back at the things that God has done for you. I want to encourage you to keep journals, pictures, songs, anything that reminds you of moments that God came through for you. So whenever you're faced with the difficulty, whenever you face another river in front of you and you think, am I ever going to get to the other side? You can look at that memorial and you can think, no, God's come through for me before and he's going to do it again. We have to have these memorials in our lives so that we can constantly be fixing our minds on the thought that God will come through and his timing is perfect and he, and he has never left you. There's this song that Elevation Worship has. It's called Do It Again. And at the very beginning, he says, walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. But later on, it says, your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never failed me yet. And he says, I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way, and I believe I'll see you do it again. It's saying, I know, I know that God has come through for me before. He has never left me. He's never forsaken me. And he's going to continue to come through. And it's feeding your mind with God and his faithfulness. So we have to, to focus on what we partake. The second thing, the second thing is to change your perspective. Change your perspective. We have to shift our perspective in two ways. Number one is to shift our perspective in how God is going to use your current circumstance. Oh, God's going to use your current circumstance. 
There's a story of Joseph in the Old Testament. And Joseph had all these brothers that just absolutely hated him. Basically, they threw him into this, this pit, this real deep pit, and uh, left him to die. And then they realized, you know what, we can get a little bit of money out of him. So they get him out of the pit, and they sell him as a slave. And basically, they, they uh, absolutely hated him. They basically left him to die, and then instead of that, they, they sold him to be a slave. So you would think he would have some bitterness in his life. However, through Joseph's life, he, in a series of events, God is always there for him, and he, and he ends up being one of the highest-ranking officials in Egypt. And, and through um, the wisdom that God gave him, he ends up, they end up storing all this food, and they end up being able to, to save everyone in Egypt during this, um, during this famine. And even his brothers come to get food from Joseph. They don't realize it's Joseph. And then, um, you know, long story short, it's revealed to them that here is their brother that they had sold into slavery, that they had left for dead, and they are just begging him for forgiveness. You know, I want you to put yourself in, in those shoes. Would you be an optimist or a pessimist in that situation? Your brothers leave you to die. They, they sell you into slavery. What would you do if eventually they come back, they're standing in front of you, and they're saying, I am so sorry. We should have never done that. This is what Joseph did. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. Part of the, the thing with optimism is when people hurt you, when people do things that are just the worst that you could think of, when they, when they do things that, that are just out of just hate, you have a hope in your life where you can say, you intended it for bad, but God intended it for good. It is the key that unlocks the door to forgiveness and freedom in your life. Some of you have been holding on to what these people are doing. Oh, they sold me into slavery. Oh, they left me to die. But Joseph said, yeah, okay, my brothers, they did a terrible thing. But God is more powerful than the hate that's in this world. And he is going to use anything, anything in a way that, that, that is going to be for my good in a way that's going to save people's lives. I want to encourage you today, if people have hurt you, if people have let you down, you can have the hope in your life where you say, okay, they may have intended it for bad, but my God is a God that's going to use it for good. I don't have to hold this against that person because God is going to use anything to save people's lives. God will move. He has never left you. And he's going to use your situation to bring others closer to him. Um, in, in a place called Enterprise, Alabama, there's a really interesting monument that they have. Can you go ahead and show that picture? So that's the monument there. It, it, it shows a lady, she's holding something. And it's a very interesting thing that she's holding on to. What she's got is a bull weevil. A bull weevil. Now, that's, you'd think, why, why would they have a monument? I'm going to tell you why. Um, what if I just left it? Yep, that's cool. All right, next point. Um, so in the 1900s, in Enterprise, Alabama, they grew cotton, and cotton was their main crop. That's where they made all of their money. However, this boll weevil started coming up from Mexico and ends up going into their crops and killing the majority of their cotton. It's the majority of their money. 
So you would think, why would they, is that a sarcastic monument? Like, thanks, bull weevil, like all our money's gone, way to go. No, the reason being is that when it destroyed the cotton, they realized that they had to diversify their crops. And it forced them into a place where they realized we cannot be relying on cotton for all of our money. We need to diversify their crops. So they started growing other things, including uh, peanuts, which became their their greatest resource of, of money. And the town ended up so much better than they did before because of this bull weevil coming in and taking out all their cotton. And so you see that it's a change of perspective of instead of this bull weevil being something that completely decimates the town, it ends up being something they make a monument to because it helped them realize that there was something better that they could be doing. I want to encourage you when you feel like a bull weevil has come in and taken out all your cotton, to change your perspective and to say, thank you, God, because I know you've got something better for me out there. Whenever you go through a breakup, do not have the pessimism of, you know what, I'm never going to have anyone. No one's ever going to love me. But have the optimism and the hope to say, I know that God's got something better for me. I know that this is going to turn out. You know, when you lose your job, you think, you know what, God's got a better plan out there. When you go through trial and difficulty and pain and you are walking through, through hell, whatever, whatever you're going through, you say, God is going to use this. I'm going to keep walking through this because I know he's going to come through. Now, I don't know it yet. I don't know how he's going to turn this into something better, but he will. And he's going to use this to bring glory to his name. So we shift our perspective to see that God is going to use whatever you're going through. Winston Churchill said this, a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. An optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. So we shift our perspective in how God's going to use your, your current circumstance, but then we also shift our perspective where we focus on the greatness of Jesus. In March 2015, there was this mom. Her, her daughter was about to get married, and so she wanted to pick a, a, a dress to wear to the wedding. So she sends three pictures of dresses, and one of them has become extremely popular today. Um, basically, this is the picture, one of the pictures that she sent. Uh, do you guys remember this? This blew up the internet. Someone ended up putting it on Tumblr, and it became like wars were started over this uh, dress. Um, I remember I was on my phone, I was on Twitter, and I see this dress, and it said, blue or black or white or gold, white and gold. And I was like, what? How is this even a question? And I was like, Amber, people think this is white and gold. She's like, yeah. And I was like, wait, no, you think this is white and gold? She's like, yes, of course. And I, I thought I was in the Truman Show. Like, I thought I was part of a social experiment. Like, we're going to convince this kid that it's black or that it's white and gold. And um, it became this huge issue as to what this was. Just so, like, who here thinks it's, who sees black and, and blue? Who sees black and blue? Who sees white and gold? What? That's crazy. It blows my mind. I still think, I'm like, where's the cameras? Where's the hidden cameras? Like, this is crazy. So just so you guys know, I'm not even lying. It is black and blue. Like, I'm not even lying. Watch Watch the Ellen episode, okay? She, she wears the actual dress, and you will see. Um, I was right. Uh, but I read this article on this, and it says, 
this guy Arthur Shapiro, he's a professor at American University, and he specializes in visual perception. He says this: "Color is our perception, our interpretation of the light that's in the world." So here we're seeing the same picture, the same dress, yet some see it as one color, some see it as another, because color is our perception, it's our interpretation of the light that's in the world. Two people can be walking through the same situation, the same difficulty. One person can see it as, as the absolute worst thing, the, the world's falling down, the, everything is terrible, woe is me. And another person could be walking through the same exact thing and still have hope, still have a good attitude. Why? It all rises and falls on our interpretation of the light that's in the world. We have hope because we know the source of light. We know no matter what situation I'm going through, I can view this in a way that's different than everyone else because I have a God that is way bigger than the problems I'm walking through. I have a God that has never left me, that will never forsake me. So I know that I can have hope in this situation. I can have a good attitude in this situation because God is going to come through. So shift your eyes from being on your problems up to Christ. And you focus on his goodness. And you say, yes, this is hard. But I'm focusing, I'm not, I'm not going to break eye contact with God because I know he is much greater than what I'm going through. In the Bible, um, when Jesus walks on water, it says, so Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. It says, but when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. See, the waves were always there. But the, but the change was his focus. Here he's looking at Jesus and he's walking on water. Then his perspective changes. He looks around at what's around him and he thinks, man, this is impossible. I can't be doing that. And he starts to sink. You might have a storm going on around you. I want to encourage you, you keep your eyes on Jesus. God has called you to keep your head up and to look at him and to focus on his goodness, his greatness, not the greatness of your problems. And you will know, okay, I do not have to worry because I have the, the, the creator of the entire universe. The source of love itself, I'm keeping my eyes on him. I'm not going to shift my focus. I'm going to keep my perspective on the greatness of Jesus. Limitations 3, it says, The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time. As I grieve over my loss, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. It says, I still dare to hope. Like, hey, everything around me is falling apart, but I still dare to hope. Why? Because of the faithful love of the Lord that never ends. Next time you go through something, you think, it's this tough? Yeah, but I still dare to hope. Why? Because I know the greatness of my God. I know the, the, the amazing power of Jesus. I'm a big sports fan. I love the Broncos. I'm a huge Broncos fan. And, uh, you know, I'll record the games on DVR. And that's one of the greatest miracles of all time is DVR. And so, you know, I'll be, I'll be 
out doing something and I've got the game recorded and the worst thing that happens is if I come home and I'm about to turn it on and all of a sudden you see like the ticker on the bottom and it shows like Broncos 20, Raiders 17. You know, it's like, oh no. But then part of you's like, wait, we won. Cool. And then like I'll watch the game and it's crazy seeing the difference between if I'm watching the game and I don't know the outcome, I get so frustrated when Say their they're, they're running back runs four yards instead of two, or there's a missed tackle, or there's a penalty. I get so flustered and frustrated because and, I don't know the outcome. But when I watch a recorded game where I'm like, wait, I know that we won, I don't get so flustered over these things because I know ultimately I know that we won. In our lives, guys, I've read the Bible. I've read the book. And in the end, guess what? Jesus wins. He defeats death. He defeats Satan. And we get to live with him forever. And we know the ending. We know what happens. And because of that, because we know the victory that's already taken place, we can operate differently when we face trials, when we face difficulty. Because we know, yeah, this is going on, but I'm not going to get worked up over it because I know that we have the victory. We can view life in a different lens. The last thing that we have to do is see the potential. See the potential. Everything that you go through is potential for God to get glory and you to get a reward, for people to come to him and for you to become more like him. I want you to remember that. Romans 8, 28, it says, and we know that God causes everything, say everything, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. If you love God, and you're called according to his purpose, which you are if you love God, and it says God will take everything and work it for good, no matter what the situation, no matter how broken you are, no matter how tough life is right now, God is going to use it. He will use it. Who here has seen the show Fixer Upper? Anybody? Fixer Upper. If you have not seen it, I'll give you a run through of what it is. So Chip and Joanna Gaines, they're down in Waco, Texas. They renovate these homes. There'll be a couple that's like, hey, we want to move into the Waco area. They're like, awesome. Check out these houses. One of them's like, okay. Another needs a little bit more work. And the third is just a trash heap. Like, it's terrible. Every single time, the couple's like, you know what? We're going to take home trash heap. And they're like, what? And then they renovate it. They pull these things. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. You know, open concept on everything. Subway tiles. That's basically what it is. Um... (laughs) But anyways, Fixer Upper, the reason the show is so great is because the couple picks the trash heap. If they picked a house, I've actually got, this is one of my favorite episodes. This is like one of their carpenters, and he picked this house right here. Oh, gosh. Man. Like, you see that. If you did not know Chip and Joanna Gaines, you would see that. You just think, that is a terrible looking home. But then check this out. This is what they turned it into. Wow. Isn't that amazing? And the thing is, the show wouldn't be as good if they just picked a house that was close to that and maybe they, they you know, painted some walls and, and you know, gave it, gave it a different, you know, tile. But, but no, like, the greatest stories, the greatest episodes are the one where the houses are in the worst condition. And the reason being is because it shows how great they are at renovating when you see something that's so broken down, so broken, such in, in, in such miserable shape. And then you see it turn into this. In your life, 
you may feel like your life is that first picture. You feel like your life is broken. You've got difficulty. You've got pain. And I want to tell you that, that the, the, the greater the story is when, when there's something that's totally broken and God restores it and God brings it into something that is for the good of you becoming more like Christ. There will be a day when the situation you are walking through, when God comes through in an amazing way. And the tougher the situation, the greater the story. You know, God is going to use your situation. He's going to come through. And it's going to be even greater glory for God, the tougher the situation. So that's why we can have hope. That's why we can have optimism. The reason these people don't run in the middle of the, of the uh, renovation and say, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up. You guys aren't doing a good job. It's because they've seen what Chip and Joanna Gaines have done before. And they know, I trust them. I trust them. They've done it before, they'll do it again. It's the same thing with God. Time and time again, he comes through. Time and time again, he uses situations and he, and he never breaks a promise that he will use whatever you're walking through for the good of, of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So do not lose trust in him. My last passage is Hebrews 10, 35 through 36. It says, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he promised. I'm going to read it again because this is, this is important, this passage right here. Do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Church, I want to tell you, you do not give up. Do not lose trust. Do not lose hope. Because in God's timing, he's going to come through. And it's going to bring glory to his name. Whatever situation you're walking through, whatever the circumstances, no matter how hard it is, I want to ask you, do you trust God? Do you trust him? That even though you're walking through this, even though it's hard, even though you don't quite understand it right now, do you trust him? And you know, you know what? I know you're going to come through. I don't get this, but you will come through. Guys, that is optimism. That is hope. Is when you say, I don't understand what's going on, but I've never lost trust. I know God's going to come through. I want to encourage you to have this trust in the Lord. The last thing I want to ask is, some of you in here, you've never trusted Christ with anything, including your life. I want to tell you right now that God loves you so much. He loves you so much. The reason you are on this earth is so that you can trust him with your life, so you can have that relationship with him forever. No matter what you've done, he still loves you. He died on the cross for you. He gave his life for you. I want to encourage you, if that's you, we're going to pray. And, and during this time, when you pray to God, just talk to him. He hears you. I promise you he hears you. And you say, God, I'm trusting you with my life. I can't do this on my own. 
and he hears you and he will respond. There is the gift of salvation that is lying there for you. All you have to do is you just have to know in my heart, I can't do this on my own. Only the death of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection is the way that I can have eternal life. The Bible says that when you do that, when you call on the name of the Lord, when you put your trust in him, you will be saved. So I'm going to pray here. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this day. I thank you that you give us so much to be hopeful for. God, ultimately, what we put our, what our, what we put our trust in, our hope in, is the cross. And not just the cross, but the fact that you rose from the grave. You defeated death, God. You defeated it. It had the, the, the sting of death and sin. Lord, you defeated that. You defeated Satan. There will be a day when he has to pay, but God, until then, we are going to trust you. Difficulty in life and trials and pain. God, we're going to trust you through that. We will have an optimism that is an everlasting hope in who you are. We are going to keep our eyes on you. Jesus, I pray right now for those that have never trusted you with their lives. God, I pray they would take the ultimate act of faith. They would step forward and they would give you their life. They would exchange their life for yours. Lord, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. And if that's you, I just want you to pray right now. And in your own words, just tell them, God, I trust you. I give you my life. You just have to accept the gift of salvation in exchange for, for your life. God, we thank you. Thank you that you love us. We thank you that you have you died for us, you rose again, and one day you will return. And in that we have hope, we have optimism. We put our life on that, God. Pray that we will get our eyes off of ourselves, off of our circumstances, off of our struggles, God, and onto you. We love you so much. In your name I pray, amen.